0: Hello friends and welcome back to the Chase Doesn't Know podcast. Thank you as always for downloading these episodes and listening to them. Uh, It's always really cool to open the app and see that I have some downloads and I know the people, the guests on the podcast also appreciate it. Um, I uh, was very excited whenever my guest on this episode, Lindsay Duga, said yes and agreed to come on because she operates in a world that I uh, know nothing about and struggle to get into because I'm not a good reader, but she is a published author um, and has done a ton of work over the past few years um, while holding a day job to get published and craft amazing stories. Um, so I was very excited to ask her and pick her brain on her process and all of the things that go into all of that. I know for sure that you will enjoy this conversation as much as I struggled to ask decent questions. Carl gave me a hard time uh, about that, but it was well deserved. Anyway, I will stop talking and let you start listening. Thanks again, Lindsay, for hanging out, and I hope you enjoy this episode with my new friend, Lindsay Duga. Because I had interacted with you before, but saw the two two five article. It was like a month ago, I think. I looked mm-hmm. back at the the email. Uh, have you been? How did that? Like, who reached out to you for that? And have you been doing interviews lately because of it?
1: Yeah, actually. So GatorWorks is still sort of affecting both my uh, book life and you know work life so much. Uh, the I had actually interviewed with Maggie, she's the one who wrote the article um, about something for the uh, Baton Rouge Business Report. But yeah, okay. she was doing an article about uh, websites and um, specifically restaurant websites and how the pandemic had affected their online ordering. Mm-hmm. So I just got on and I talked a little bit about like user experience and why that was different with websites nowadays. And so I think through that she had either researched me a little bit more, found out that I wrote books. Cool. And then came back to me and was like, I would like to interview specifically about writing, about cool. being an author. And I was just like, absolutely. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you were you pumped for that?
1: Yeah, oh yeah. It, I was it was kind of like, oh my God, I've always wanted to be in T5. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Cause you know, what you, you just don't know when it feels like you've made it like your first book or your second book, or even like publishing with Scholastic. You're like, I'm still such a very, very small fish in a very, very, <laughs> very, very, very big pond. And that's what it feels like in publishing. It's just sort of like, Oh my God, I I'm a nobody compared to uh, Rick Riordan or Angie Thomas or, you know, any of those types of people.
0: Cool. That, yeah. So I'm super pumped that you agreed to do this because I want to talk about like the whole world of like where your novels take place. Uh-huh. That you know, that I'm just reading about your bio and some things, uh, you're like interested in the fantasy novels and things yes. like that. So we'll talk all about that, but okay. then I'm also super interested. I mean, you're the director of operations at Gatorworks. So yes. if I was to read that at surface level, you're probably a more like numbers and procedure type person at work, but you're super creative with the novels. So and Yep. That leads into, I wanted to ask a bunch of questions also. Hopefully we can get a little detailed about how you navigated getting books published. Cause it seemed mm-hmm. again, from the little bit that I read, uh, seemed like a huge challenge to do.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, so can we start there maybe? Yes. And like how you went from writing through your high school and college years to getting a book completed and published?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So, um, I started when I was in, I want to say, seventh grade with a friend. So, my friend and I had gone to see, of all movies, Pirates of the Caribbean. Okay. Um, Great movie. Right? Yes. you know, And we were so young and impressionable, and we are just like, oh my God, love this movie so much. The first
0: one, right? Yeah, Yeah, of course. Yeah, still the the best one one for sure.
1: Absolutely. Curse the Black Pearl.
0: That's it. Yep.
1: And so, we saw that, and we're like, it would be so cool. Like, we just didn't want to leave that world. Mm -hmm. So, we thought of characters within kind of like that, that historical time period and with pirates and everything else. Um, and we created these characters together, would switch off back and forth writing different parts of the story. And uh, it was a little bit like role playing, but we were, we were writing down our, our stories. Um, and so she grew out of it. I did not. <laughs> like, <laughs> She went on to college and uh, sociology major and one of the smartest people I know and I was just like, I want to write stories okay. <laughs> and I, I want to experience I have, fantasy worlds. I have to
0: ask, is that, I think I read the beginning of one of them, yes. you were like a to yep. this person? Yep, okay, to so Bridget, that, yeah, to Bridget. Bridget, mm-hmm. and it said that, if I remember it was like to Bridget who I started writing
1: stories with. Yeah, and that's her. she was okay. whom I wrote my first stories with. Cool, so. cool. Yeah, so we started... Um, And so, like, she obviously grew out of it. I did not. um, I started thinking about this one story uh, when I was in college. And it was after I read uh, the Percy Jackson series Mm -hmm. by Rick Riordan. Fell in love with those books, um, mostly because I am such a huge Greek mythology nerd. Like, it has influenced all of my creativity and writing for a very long time since I was very young. Um, So, I love those so much. And I, I came up with this idea and I was... And I was just kind of like writing it for fun and I had another friend who was, who was writing um, and he was just like, Lindsay, why don't you actually try and get it published? And it was such a weird moment for me where I was just like, that's that's like, you know, going to become an astronaut. Like you yeah, don't know yeah, how yeah. that happens. That's what it seems like
0: to me right now. It's so. shrouded
1: in mystery. For sure, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and less so now because of the internet and twitter and there's all those resources out there but like back when i was first trying to like understand publishing and how to break into the business it really did feel kind of like an unattainable career mm-hmm.
0: um when when was that whenever he told you that like what year uh, was that i think i
1: was a sophomore in college so um 2009 10 okay so it took me about two years to write that first book and I was in college at the time so um I was studying at Manship School of Mass Communication of LSU um knowing that I wanted to have more of a career in writing but wanting to take it away from journalism which I had originally started with in journalism Mm -hmm. and then I went into uh advertising instead because I wanted to be a little bit more creative and copywriting and big ideas and Mm -hmm. things like that um, and so I would kind of reward myself with studying and projects that i like, okay, if I can just get through this exam, I'm gonna be able <laughs> to like write my book for a little bit that's cool. over the weekend. Yeah, that's cool. Um, but it did take me a while. So uh eventually I got my book um, my first draft complete really right around the time I was graduating. Um so while all of my classmates were Working on their portfolios and resumes and submitting to internships in like really big cities. I was working my Baton Rouge connections to find kind of like a simple startup job while also really pursuing getting my book published. Okay. Because um, I wanted to, because I knew out of all my research that I needed a day job. Like I needed. Uh, a stable career where I could go home and work on my novel because I knew it was going to be a long process. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started uh, kind of figuring out how that worked. And so
0: okay, so how did you do that part? Like uh, Googled. Would, so you just googled a bunch, read a bunch.
1: Yeah, okay, yeah. so, I think the first things that I really did in getting started was um, I Googled just the simple process and they always pointed to, you need an agent. You need a literary agent to get your book to the big publishers, to get them to editors because editors won't look at your book unless you have an agent. Okay. So I
0: mean, it seems a little snobby, but all right. (laughs) Yeah, but I think of all the people that want to get their books published. For sure.
1: (laughs) There's got to be gatekeepers, for sure. Um, So I figured out that process but I was like how do I write a query how do I get to my how do I get my manuscript to the point where I even want to put it in front of professionals Mm -hmm. because I understood that I was like I had just written my first draft and um just from research people just kept saying and and online writing forums they would say oh my gosh get a critique partner get beta readers make sure you have a really polished manuscript. You should not be turning in your first draft. You should be turning in your fifth or your seventh, especially if you're a new writer. So I took that to heart, and uh, and then I started going to writers' conferences. Okay. And that was like my next big step in my publishing world was just I wanted to connect to others' writers who were going through the same thing. Um, so I found local writers groups. Like there was a group in, um, I'm going to big do a big shout out to them cause I love them so much. <laughs> they are the Bayou writers group in Lake Charles. Okay. They had a little, um, writers conference called bridge to publication. Uh, so that and sounds s-
0: like what you were looking for, right? It's, it was exactly
1: <laughs> what I was looking for. Yeah. Um, it was a two hour drive. And so <clears> I went to that and I pitched my first book to an agent and uh,
0: so that, so, what does that look like when you pitch your books? You like walk up to this guy at a table or a woman at a table? You, and like, you sign
1: up for time slots with okay, them essentially. Right. So, so it's like an audition. Yeah. Like it's you walk
0: in and do your thing. How long percent. did you have to do it?
1: Um, They give you probably like a 15, no more than a 15 minute window. Okay. Uh, really like it. But it's they, not like
0: I was, I was like picturing 20 seconds or something like to, to pitch.
1: But no. you get to kind of
0: lay out your ideas
1: no yeah I I did I did my research I prepared because they said if you are going to sit in front of an agent really you should have that pitch memorized like try and memorize it that way you're not floundering of like oh it's this and it's this and then but like it's also a little bit of this (laughs) just like make it really short snappy engage them so I practice my pitch so many times like I And I did a little bit of acting in in high school when I was a kid. So um, it was kind of easy for me to memorize that a little bit like a um, monologue.
0: Right. Okay. You know, and it was,
1: uh, yeah, it was all of like no more than eight sentences. You want to keep it short, sweet, and then give them comp titles comp titles is comparison titles so like my book is uh, okay. similar to blah blah got blah it it. and that's really helpful for sales so they can see like okay this book would fit in with readers that enjoyed this right you don't want to compare your book to harry potter of course
0: yeah <laughs> you that's, know that's probably the sign of a bad uh, author right <laughs> my book is like harry potter yeah. but also like star wars and then you're like okay, <laughs> it's gonna be and, as and
1: popular as harry it. potter right. and they're <laughs> like come on
0: <laughs> come on so can you uh can you do your eight-sentence pitch now for that first book?
1: Oh, man. Um, I mean, I won't
0: hold you word for word or anything, but it might be cool to to hear.
1: Yeah, it. maybe I should have prepared for this. <laughs> uh, let me see. Because here's the thing. I've done so many pitches okay. with my different books. Um, Was the...
0: So was the first one that you pitched in Lake Charles, was that the first one that you got published? No. Okay.
1: No, no, no. I, I had, man, that's the the third book that I've written was the one that got published. Got it, okay. Yeah, first one that got published. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't think I'd be no able pressure. to do a pitch. It, yeah, and no pressure sorry. at all. Sorry, I, I, I could all probably good. do like little snippets of it, but then I would be like, no, that's the wrong, because I, I like those uh the lines to be perfect yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know yeah so
0: i definitely want to ask you about all that stuff too when we when we get into it but um okay, okay so keep going so after the, the the lake charles you went through that what yeah was the next i, I went that? to
1: even more conferences so i went to a larger one oh that one was expensive because you have to pay for conferences <laughs> right, right. Um, and travel and all that yeah and travel um and i was still just you know uh working at my entry level gator works job at the time uh, i think i was you know my first year at GatorWorks. um so i went to writers league of texas conference uh in austin um, that one was amazing i learned so much they did so much more than just like oh you can you know pitch to your age like pitch to an agent and uh they did how to craft pitches they did uh actual writing workshops and craft workshops and networking opportunities and they actually had a big old ballroom area where they had cocktails and hors d'oeuvres and these agents would just kind of be milling around and you would find an agent you'd almost be like on a hunt you'd have like (laughs) the, the, the brochure of the Writers League of Texas and you'd have all these um photos of the agents and you'd and you're oh, like okay nice. I think that's the one no 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 no, no that's, that's not, not right. her that's not her I've got to find her do you and then you would talk to the other participants and be like have you found this agent yet oh she's in the corner go get her she's free <laughs> and so we would you know go and scout these agents and, and deliver them pitches and I used to feel so bad for the agents I'm like nope that's what they came for yep that's true they're here that's to right. listen
0: they're there to find the next big book exactly or series yep yeah.
1: Um, so yeah, then, so I went to a lot of conferences, um, learned as much as I could and then just revised, 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 revised that first book. Um, it did not go anywhere. Um, I got some partials, uh, partial requests from agents and then I Is that shelved. like,
0: is that sort of like, Hey, we kind of like you. Yeah. It's like, some other point we or? like
1: your query. So we like that kind of back of book blurb. The pitch is interesting. Uh, The first few example pages are decent writing. We'd like to see more. Okay. Um, A full manuscript is when you get a little bit closer of them, just like, yeah, I want to read the full. Um, And so moved on to my second book, which was also a middle grade book. Um, The first one was middle grade fantasy, uh, in which constellations descended to earth and came to life. Okay, cool. So, yeah, that one was really fun. I love that book so much. I wish I could go back to it. Uh, And then there was the second book, which was a middle grade uh, sci-fi about a futuristic skateboarder, kind of think of um, Tony Hawk meets Sherlock Holmes in a way. Okay, cool um is
0: it a skate is it like a hoverboard like back yeah it's a little
1: bit like a hoverboard nice. um i called him a skidster
0: skidster okay
1: um because they used basically it, it was frictionless so you could do all of these things on all different types of services on the city
0: okay cool so
1: uh that that book was a lot of fun and i actually got really close with that one i got um quite a few agents interested in the full manuscript uh, but that one had to be shelved too. <clears throat> and then, uh, my first novel, uh, that got published was Kiss of the Royal. And so that was my right. first I young got that adult. One right there. Yeah, it's, it's right there. <laughs> uh, that was my first, uh, young adult novel. Okay. Um, and it was fantasy and it's such a weird concept. Um, I love when people ask him, ask me about it. They're like, how did you come up with it? And I'm like, I.
0: How did you come up with it?
1: Well, what is
0: it first for the, I've read the back of the book, but yes. And also I should have told you this. I should, sorry to interrupt you. I should have told you this before I bought, after we spoke, I bought all your books and then, but me and my wife just had another baby. And so that's partly my excuse for Mm -hmm. not uh, having read very much. And then also I'm. I'm a bad reader anyways, but so disclaimer you, right at the beginning.
1: Do you are you better it. at audiobooks since you like podcasts? Yeah, and
0: I was gonna ask you, I think I saw one post that you have an audiobook coming. I have three. Oh, perfect. Okay. I've got
1: three. So Roaring so is an audiobook.
0: And you read the audio? No, no. Oh. No,
1: no okay, they right. they contract professional readers, <laughs> professional yeah, 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 actors yeah. to do that stuff. Um I'm glad I don't have You'd to be read You'd be better
0: than them. them, but No, I wouldn't. I'll forgive them for, Absolutely doing, for
1: not. doing that. <laughs> do not make me read my books. <laughs> Um, but yeah, Ghost in the Headlights, uh, The Haunting and okay. Roaring all have audiobooks. Okay,
0: cool. Yeah. That was the one that I, uh, did get a few pages into. So yes. I'll definitely, I'll probably, might listen to that. Okay. Uh, well,
1: Roaring is my favorite probably. Okay. Is yeah, that the I'm most in... recent one? Uh, it's not the most recent Ghost in the Headlights is. So Roaring was published, uh, August of 2020 okay. and then Ghost in the Headlights was, uh, March of 2021.
0: Got it. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right, so we were at, kiss, of
1: the, kiss of the royal. Right? Yes, we
0: were about to go there. Okay. I did want to before you tell me that, and yes. then like getting published and all the okay. incredible things. One thing that stood out um, from just again the brief reading of the article in Two Two Five, and mm-hmm. then your website and things, um, is like all of the, I guess like self motivated work that you had to go through to get to whenever Kisses of the Royal got published. Yep. So can you give me, I have a few questions that, I, that came up whenever you were just walking me through it, but can you give me an idea of how long it was from when you decided like, oh, yeah. I really wanna be an author uh-huh. to someone said, okay, we're gonna publish this book?
1: Yeah, so um, I would say I was really started pursuing it at the end of college. So when I was graduating, I was figuring out how to query, looking at agents, that kind of thing. Um, and so that was 2012.
0: Okay. And
1: then I got my first book deal in 2016. Okay. So, so four, it took years. Me four years. And I have
0: to imagine again, based on I, I've just met you and everything, but uh-huh. you seem like the person that really like when you're doing something, you're really doing it. So oh, I I'm imagine that you were doing it. All the time. All the time, right. Yeah. So all the time, four years, and yep. you and got a bug deal. Okay, all right, cool. Yeah,
1: it, it takes some people longer. Mm-hmm. It takes some people a lot shorter, yeah. you know? It, it, that, and that's one of the things that um, Twitter is really good at, of, of just, like, the publishing community and the writing community being very honest about how long it took them to get to where they are mm-hmm. or, you know, sharing their publishing stories because everybody's is different. Got it. Cool. There's really no one way to to publish your book.
0: Speaking of Twitter, there was some. I saw something that you won a Twitter contest or like. Yeah, you've... so
1: that's how Kiss of the Royal came about.
0: Oh, okay, I okay. so, All right, I, I pause again because another question. Okay. You, you mentioned a couple of times just a few minutes ago that you had to shelve book one and two. Uh huh. So, um,. And I'm, I'm, again, like, really curious about the whole process and everything. But right. Where do you, like, how did you um, get to that point where you knew this idea is book number one? Yes. And then... How do you internally decide that it's time to shelve it? It's like, did somebody tell you that, or you felt it? Like, what's you the? You feel it, okay.
1: Um, and then you run out of agents to query. Okay, all right, yeah, that's one way. <laughs> so, I mean, there's there's only a certain amount of in the industry, and you don't want to query them twice with one book, right? Um, right, right? And so, there were different a lot of different online resources that I used to create a spreadsheet. Of the the different agents that Director I was of operations there yeah, yep. had a spreadsheet of course <laughs> um, where I said, you know, like, oh, this one requested a partial, this one requested full, this one rejected me immediately, this one, yeah, you know, okay. And so uh, you get about, I want to say, through thirty to fifty agents of queried, and if. If you're not there by Agent Forty, you're kind of like, okay, Yeah, okay. nobody's nobody's picking this up.
0: And is that is that uh, are you like tailoring it to them every time? Or are you kind of putting it together and giving them the package? Like here's the pitch. Thing?
1: Uh, a little bit half and half. Okay. So um, the materials don't change as far as like the actual uh, pitch of the book okay. and the sample pages and the synopsis. Like once I have that done. I pretty much don't change it unless I'm not getting any Mm bytes. So if I send out seven queries and nobody's interested, then something's probably wrong with the query itself. Something's wrong with the pitch. Mm -hmm. So if I tweak the pitch and then I send it out to another seven and I get responses back, then that shows me something's working a little bit more. Um, And so I had created those spreadsheets And gone through, uh, and now I lost my train of thought. What did you ask me before that? Uh,
0: What did I ask you before? Um, Mainly, well, I wanted to know uh, maybe a couple questions back, how you knew when to shelve it.
1: That's right. Okay, Okay. yeah. So I got through, uh, you know, about a certain number of agents, and then I have decided to shelve the book, and then I move on to the next idea. And typically, if you are querying, you are working on another book at the same time.
0: Okay. I was going to ask that because... From the outside, non-author, and I'll try to, this is why I want to do the podcast to get better at describing my thoughts right, but Uh uh, try to give you my perspective, because you're on the other side, but from my perspective, thinking like, surely she has an idea for a book, and then she spends like a year or whatever writing the book, Mm -hmm. and then Mm -hmm. you spend the time putting the pitch together, and then you pitch it, and then you get rejected, and you're back at square one, Yeah. but it's not like that, it's... (laughs) Or it can uh, be like that, I guess. But your process is I would say you probably overlap it a little bit. Okay.
1: Um, I'm also a little weird in the fact that I, uh, maybe it's because of my advertising background, but I think of books and book ideas in pitch format. So I tend That's to great. write my pitch before I write my book.
0: Okay. Because I... Yeah, go ahead.
1: Yeah, well, I, I want to get, I'm like, okay, what's the hook? What's interesting yeah, yeah, about yeah, yeah. it? What's mm-hmm. that what-if scenario that I really like to pursue? Um... So that's how I I kinda get that idea going. I start drafting. And the way I write books now is vastly different from the way I used to write them. Okay. It was very much of a pantser situation where I was like, I have the the plot points in mind, but like how I get to each point is kinda like up for grabs. Like I kinda know what the ending's gonna be, I kinda know what the middle is, but like, you know, from A to B I'm not really entirely sure. Okay. It's not like that That's now. so
0: fascinating. It takes it,
1: way too long to write that way.
0: Okay, that was the first way you did it. Yes. Okay. Yeah, So that, it,
1: that's why it took me, in addition to being a student, it took me like two years to write that first book. Uh, Skidster probably took me about a year, and Kiss of the Royal took me probably about seven months or so. Um, now I write books, I draft books in two to three months.
0: Okay so many questions much faster so many questions all yeah. right um oh, one quick question Uh uh-huh. when you have the query uh and you're pitching it to people what percentage of a final publishable book do you have completed because i ask because could you do like five percent and have a sick pitch and then somebody says yes and then you write the book out or do you have like Eighty-eight percent done. Totally and.
1: depends on your situation in terms of your uh, your your agent or lack thereof. So, like, if you don't have an agent. You one hundred percent have to have a full, complete manuscript revised multiple times. It has to be polished. Okay. Um, if you, I guess, are, if you're super famous, you
0: can have a simple right, idea. You and can you can just
1: it. shoot a text to yeah. your agent and say, or your editor, and say, "Hey, I'm thinking of this," and they're like, "Yeah, you hit New York Times bestseller list like five times in a row. You can do whatever you want." Yeah. Okay. Um, but really like once you've written a few books and you have them published like me, my situation is more like it's written on proposal. So I can write a detailed synopsis. Uh, sometimes I have to write sample pages and sometimes I don't, um, but usually it's like, give us the the synopsis of what the book is gonna be and then we will uh, take it to our acquisitions team cool and so that's how that gets through so typically so that's
0: happening right now for something yeah new.
1: for for some books yeah cool. in fact i just went through that process with scholastic for my next uh spooky middle grade horror
0: okay is yeah. this the one that's like uh kind of interactive i think i read it that one's already done so that one's that's done. yeah that okay. one's going
1: to be in uh march of 2022
0: Think. Cool. Okay. I think I read that like just earlier today that it was something like choose your own adventure type thing, right?
1: Uh, It's an escape room. Escape room. That's it's an right. escape, escape room in a book which format. Which I love escape rooms. Yeah. I mean, they're the
0: best like right downtown right here.
1: Yeah. And my editor was just like, hey, that's I think cool. you'd be really good at this. And I'm just like, wow, you don't know me at all. I'm terrible <laughs> at puzzles. Like I'm so bad at puzzles. <laughs> uh, but somehow I, I was able to work through it and it was it was a really a lot of fun. It was it was a challenge. That's, that's cool. And, um, yeah, it was, it was, a great experience, but that one's just going to be in scholastic, uh, book fairs and clubs. Uh, okay. So it's not going to be in Barnes and Noble.
0: So I can't buy it off Amazon.
1: No, you can't buy it. On, you have to have a kid in Bummer. school. <laughs> well,
0: I don't, I'm not there yet. I have, I have some headed there. Maybe one yet. day. Yeah. Okay. Um, Okay. The, back to the, a little bit more of the conceptual thing yes. around putting books together. Mm-hmm. Um, because if I think about anything that's going to take me a year to do, uh-huh. or even three months to do, uh-huh. it's just, I'm just like, <laughs> it's like, where do I start? And how do I avoid doing this for a year? Yeah. Uh, cause that's like a super long time. So um, I, I'm uh, it, particularly interested cause you're very polished now. Mm-hmm. And I would like to hear about that. But when you were kind of coming into your own and going through that process of getting to publication, yeah, what was your, did you have like a moment where you had the idea for a book and then you went on a year process or did you think this is gonna be a year or two year process and I want to accomplish this? Like how did that kind of formulate?
1: So really it was um, whenever I start writing books, and this is kind of true now, is I start thinking of that idea and um, it's it can sometimes start out with just like a character. It sometimes starts out with uh, a setting that I really like um, and I would say that's true for Roaring and Glow the Fireflies. I knew I wanted to write a book in the Smoky Mountains and I knew I wanted to write a book in the 1920s. Okay. And finding cool. those those scenarios that kind of like oh what if something was like this you know uh is when I really start to have those ideas begin to kind of like formulate and snowball but it takes me a while to think through the idea everything's internal in my process I'm not really writing anything down I'm not putting anything on paper until I have more of the the book formalized like just in my head and so that process can be up to a few months until I get to the point where I'm like, okay, I'm ready to sit down and I'm ready to outline this or I'm ready to write a synopsis. Um, cause I really like to think through characters. I like to think through world buildings and I, I like to put on playlists that inspire me. And uh, especially when it comes to that setting and I'll just like take a long walk with my dog and I'm just thinking about this book the whole time. Cool. Um, and then I get to that synopsis part where I'll start kind of right, right through the outline. Um, but before, back when I first got started, I didn't really go through an outline process. I didn't write a synopsis. I just straight up, I was inspired. I had the, the bare bones of the book in my head and I would just start writing. And it was a great way for me to learn what my voice was gonna be like. It was a great way for me to learn the craft of writing a little bit, but it just took far too long getting mm-hmm. those books out. Mm-hmm. So I don't think I would have been able to do an outline or a synopsis in the very beginning. Cause that's just, you got to learn somewhere. Um, and that's how my process was.
0: Cool. Okay. That's uh, so the craft itself, your now is you set the outline and then fill in the development of the points. Is that right?
1: Yeah. So my, my synopsis, um, that I start with books now are around six pages. So they're, they're pretty detailed in terms of,
0: so like a lot of work for me is like just you getting started. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's
1: just a lot of, um, kind of exploring the character development their weaknesses how they're going to grow world building elements how that's linked to the story like there's so much of that stuff that I have to figure out um before I even start writing so it does take me a while to get to that point um
0: the the synopsis is like is it a kind of a bullet list type of six pages or it is
1: for some writers okay it's not for me i i actually write it like i would a synopsis for a college paper you you just kind of cover the whole book and it's easier for me it's almost like writing a condensed version yeah, of okay. the story it's a, okay. it's a summary
0: got it got yeah. it okay cool
1: um and that's just how i write out the book but some people are able to like jot it out in note format and i'm just like that is not how (laughs) my brain works
0: so it's a little bit more linear do you go so you go beginning to end with your synopsis cool
1: okay i know some some of my writer friends they will write uh various scenes in their book because they're just inspired and the scenes come out brilliant uh, but then they have to fit them together like right. puzzle pieces, and I'm like, I can't do that. Okay. I can maybe do that with one scene. Yeah. But not the whole book. I can't piecemeal stuff together. It's got to be. Oh, if I say it this way in the beginning of this book, then I really need to to carry that all the way through. I want to reference things that I've written before. Okay. Because I like calling back to. Um, I like creating parallels in my books and I can't do that if it's kind of all over the place. Right. If that makes any sense. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think yeah. I'm, I'm trying to follow It's it. It's like I said, it's foreign to me. So it's fascinating to hear uh-huh. cause I just would imagine I would, you know, I have a story and I just write it from just go, but there's a lot of different ways to do it and uh, plays on off strengths of people. Um, the, when was like the last time or most recent time that you felt, Inspired by something, and what was it?
1: Oh, oh creatively that's, inspired. Ugh, that's a good question. Um, hmm. So I have been working on, and I, I've had to put a lot of books aside because I've I'm in the middle of a lot of projects with my editors right now. So um, I'm working on my agent to submit a novel to different publishers that have actually, the novel's been written for a long time. I'm just revising it and doing things like that. So I haven't had a lot of time to dedicate recently to new projects. So I would say my most recent um, idea is this book about two brothers. Um, one is going to become a dragon and another one and the older brother wants to basically go on adventures but he promises to like take care of the brother who's accidentally turned into a dragon um and i was inspired by a few different things one it, like it was a netflix show that i was watching called the dragon prince which was really uh, a good show and also um full metal alchemist brotherhood so That story is really about... uh, I love sibling stories. Is that
0: an anime? It is. Okay, I've heard that name before. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Um, And it starts with them, like, it's it's two brothers trying to bring... A little morbid, trying to bring their dead mother back to life. Okay. And they basically unleash a terrible curse that afflicts both of them um and so it's kind of like a a spell gone wrong and that's essentially what happens in in my idea but it's them turning into dragons in which that like the younger brother turns into a dragon but he doesn't have any of the dragon abilities Um, so it's it's very much in its early stages i've only just finished uh the synopsis and i've had to hold on writing it um, just because I've, I'm working on a several different projects at mm-hmm. once, um, does
0: that drive you drive you crazy?
1: Sometimes, yes. Yeah, like it, it really on drives one. me crazy when I have an editor come back to me, and uh, they were supposed to get to me like you know <laughs> two months ago, and they're and I've already started on another project, and they're like, "Here you go. Here's all the edits to this book <laughs> that you've probably forgotten half of. Um, so have fun rereading that, and then get it back to me in like mm, three weeks. Is that okay? Yeah. And I'm like. No, (laughs) I've forgotten what I've written. (laughs) That happens a lot.
0: So do you take edits as like, I have to change to what they want me to change it to? Or is it suggestions?
1: Um, Depends on the type of edit. Uh, If they feel very strongly about an edit, um, I, I can usually tell when they write their letters and they go into a lot of detail about what's not working and things like that. Um. So I've actually never experienced a time where I have to really push back on something I disagree on. Okay. Uh, there's been a few times where I kind of nudge them and be like, okay, uh, I was going for this. Um, can you kind of tell me why what I wrote didn't really work whenever I was trying to push that? And then we'll kind of meet in the middle or they'll help me reach the goal that I was trying to achieve. Like I wanted the, the reader to feel this emotion, obviously it didn't come off that way, why isn't that working? Um, but then other times they really do come back to me with like, here's the changes, this is what we wanna get to um, because the pacing is too slow or the character doesn't grow enough or blah, blah, blah. And usually when that happens, I agree with 90% of the edits. So I don't typically have to come back and say, "Hey, I want to keep this thing." And if I do want to keep this thing, it's it tends to be more superficial. It tends to be more they're like, "I don't really think this scene is working," and I'm like, "Well, I want this scene, so I'm gonna like keep it in. I'm gonna tweak it so you do like it, you know." Got it. So cool. I'll, I'll rebel in that way, but
0: nice. <laughs> uh, okay, the, and this podcast is probably just gonna be like jumping. Around so many different ways, um, but the you mentioned just in that uh, when you're explaining that you mentioned maybe I wanted the reader to feel this emotion, but it didn't quite come across to the editor, so they give you the feedback. Mm -hmm. I actually want to try to dig into that a little bit and your thought process on the like what's happening behind the scenes Mm -hmm. when you craft a scene or something and the emotion that you want the reader to have. And I ask because I'm uh, for my own gain. That's another reason for the podcast is so I can get cheat codes from people on how to be better, right? Sure. So uh, <laughs> I have recently, not recently, sort of recently found that I think I'm lacking a lot of persuasive um, strength whenever I describe things to people because I don't do that. I'm mm-hmm. not a good conveyor and positioning the person to feel what I'm feeling about something. Mm-hmm. I just like, say what it is and and usually it's less effective yeah uh, hopefully that makes sense uh, and yes. I'm, I'm really kind of black and white on most things uh-huh. so I struggle with that so when you and I'm going to try to ask this in a, in a good way but uh, in a way that makes sense but when you have like a scene and I guess what comes first do you paint the scene and then the emotion happens or do you like, you just know that the reader should be crying at this moment. So I need to create a scene that does that to them. Like what, what does that kind of look like a little? So,
1: um, bare bones first is just like what is the goal of this particular scene from a plot character development perspective so am i trying to convey a very important piece of information that will eventually lead them to unravel the mystery or whatever that is going to be or is it purely character development and i want these two characters to realize their mistakes and have them come to terms with it and things like that so i'm trying to establish the goal and then me as a person, I just I draw so much of my creative energy from all of the nerd crap that I love so much. Um, you know, books, TV shows, movies. Um, sometimes I'll rewatch scenes that I get that emotion from, and. I I try and figure out, like, okay, how did they get this emotion from Mm. me? Um, Perfect example, and one of my favorite scenes of television ever is, have you ever watched Lucifer on Netflix? No, I have not. There's um, an ending scene of, I think it's the end of season four. And uh, I won't do any spoilers or or anything like that. Please do it.
0: I mean, if it helps... Well, so... It. Spoiler alert to everyone listening. Okay, spoiler alert for <laughs> Lucifer.
1: Um, so Lucifer is the devil, but he's been living in Los Angeles and he's been helping this uh, female police detective and solve crime. Okay. So it's a little bit of a of police... Satan to do that. Right? It's a little <laughs> bit of a police procedural show as well as having supernatural elements. Okay. In the meantime, it's the devil having therapy... And coming to terms with his father, God, and how his, <laughs> wow, God has okay. messed up his life. Um, so he has all of those, like, issues going on. And so you get to season four and where he's grown so much and he stopped becoming, like, selfish and things like that. And he realizes he's been in love with Chloe, the detective. and uh, But he decides to return to hell to save the world, ultimately. Okay. Um, because hell must have a keeper, so the demons aren't essentially unleashed. And there's this really emotional scene where she's telling him, Please don't go. Like, don't. I know you're the devil. And because it's the entire season of hers, she'd found out in season three that he was the devil because mm. she didn't believe it for a very long time. Um, of course, why would you? Uh, and he there's this there's this emotional parting and it was so good and so well written and so beautifully acted that I I've watched that scene quite a few times to to really like inspire me to get that type of Mm -hmm. overwhelming emotion where you're rooting for these characters Mm -hmm. like I want them to be together I want them to and so like how are they doing this um and it's either in their their dialogue or the way they're acting or just the simple fact that they're finally admitting vulnerabilities to them. And so it's just those types of scenes that I go back to that really help me write the scenes that I need to wrench emotion from, you know, like how can I get these characters to be vulnerable? How can I get them to really show emotion and... How do I get my, my readers to cry? <laughs> right, right.
0: So, is it, uh, so I guess you're kind of doing that the whole time because I guess if someone came into that scene from Lucifer Cold, yeah. they wouldn't be as emotionally invested. impacted yeah, or yeah, invested. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. If they hadn't watched four seasons, three three, four four seasons of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, I, and I wanted to ask this anyway, perfect timing. How do you get someone to, be interested in a character that they're just meeting for the first is there like just throwing out some random things here because I'm going to spitball do you like create intrigue right at the beginning do you mm-hmm. give them a handicap so for compassion like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. are there or do you even think about it that way or do do you think about it a totally different way I don't know
1: um yeah that's a really right question so I think all different writers have different approaches for me um, whenever I approach a character, I like to start with like um, what their flaw would be okay and and more than that not not just their flaw but how can I as just like a normal person relate to them like what do they really like doing I'm writing a uh, a book right now and it's a young adult book and the the girl is a very big. STEM nerd. She's, she wants to be a future meteorologist. Um, and so she, but she has like this nerdy side of her where she like loves playing D and D. And so she's, she makes tabletop gaming references all the time. (laughs) And so like that nerdy introvert part of her, I'm like, okay, that's, I can connect to that. Mm -hmm. And so there is, so that's why I think there's a little bit of myself in every single main character that I write because I have to, it's not entirely me, but there's going to be aspects of me within those characters because I feel like it is easier for me to write in that first person perspective when I can connect to them. And so I think that's probably the biggest part of, of any book of any writer's job is how can I connect to this protagonist Um, in whatever way that that tends to be, whether or not it's their goal, their anxieties, their fears, their victories, um, their flaws. But at the end of the day, you always have to make sure that the characters are not perfect so they have room to grow and change
0: cool that's why nobody likes superman right because he's
1: okay first of all i love superman <laughs> i love superman okay. and his biggest flaw is the fact that he is human
0: okay half human right is that right
1: no he's uh no he's an alien right but okay. his humanity okay, is got his it. flaw because okay. he's okay. he he chooses to make decisions based off of right. like human morals not the greater good right Cool. Unlike what Batman sometimes does. I Ooh. can go into DC okay. a lot. I'm a very big nerd. Good thing
0: my wife is not here. Uh, <laughs> strong case there, though. Yeah. Um, so the... Oh, what was I... Got? I lost my train of thought on the characters. Uh, the I guess one question I did have a little bit is whenever you're creating the story, putting mm-hmm. it together, developing the characters, Yeah. Uh, are you like focus on the story? Are you focused on the reader reading the story? Um, does your story come together and then you create those points where the reader can cling to it or um, where's does I focus, that play? Yeah. It's, I focus It sounds on... like you, like part of you is in each character. It sounds like you and you've grown up loving the lore and the, uh-huh. all the things. Uh-huh. So it sounds like you're would be a very interested reader in your writing yeah so is that which one kind of goes there?
1: um I would say i I like the story as a whole um, because you know how can you? Not like it when you're rereading it over and over and over True. again. <laughs> True. Um, but it's not always like the plot that gets me going with a lot of my books. It's the characters. Okay. Um, I want to see back them, to that.
0: Back to the beginning with yeah, the Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, yeah.
1: I want to. I want to see them have their their happily ever after, or yeah. I want to see them grow in some way, shape, or form um and the the setting is always really fun to explore so sometimes plotting is like the hardest part for me because i'm like i have these grand beautiful worlds in my mind and the characters and how can they can come to life and blah blah blah. but like what are they gonna do (laughs) (laughs) yeah what's the struggle you know so cool some of those uh plotting aspects can be pretty difficult for me at times.
0: Okay. Yeah. That's fascinating. Yeah. Uh, again, trying to dig into your, your brain as it's working through, uh, Mm -hmm. those things. What, um, what was it about number three that one and two didn't have?
1: Uh, Maybe, like, I like to think that all of my books are are pretty unique and original, but um, Kiss the Royal is just so very strange. Uh, So (laughs) the concept of it is um, basically what if true love's kiss was used as a weapon. Um, So the concept of kisses as weapons is very, very strange. Uh, In fact, (laughs) I had memories of, a, of one of my critique partners and she really helped get my books or my writing to where it is today and I was telling her about it I was like Melissa I'm gonna tell you about this idea it's gonna be really weird and uh, you just got to bear with me. So I like describe it, and I'm just like, so it's these these princes and princesses, and there's and they're partnered up, and they're fighting against these these dark forces of like goblins and trolls and like, and uh, but then they use their kisses to create spells that allow them to defeat these monsters. And and you know like, what if uh, a true love's kiss could basically like break a cr- a drought curse on a village's crops or something like that? And she's like, Lindsay let me get this straight they're making out on the battlefield and I was like well they're not making out like that's a little bit extreme but like they yeah like they kiss and she's like uh okay I guess I guess I can't wait to read it and so um, it was a very fun book to write because the whole the whole plot is essentially you have this uh, very strong princess who ha- her kiss is the most powerful in all the land. Mm-hmm but then she is paired with a very powerful swordsman prince um but he refuses to kiss her mm. because he still believes in true love he believes kisses should not be used as weapons oh, so the entire book they are basically bickering back and forth where she's just like just kiss me <clears> like <throat> it's just a spell whatever he's just like no <laughs> i won't um <laughs> uh, and of course he he falls in love with her so it's very much a a fun fantasy epic romance where it's a little bit of enemies to lovers because they're trying to uh, both of them are trying to get on the other you know no believe what I'm saying you know they're each Mm -hmm. trying to convince the other one of their point of view um and so that idea really got people's attention like it was just sort of like kisses is weapons that's weird yeah. but I'm I'm interested like I want to read more um so that's actually like do you want to talk about the twitter pitch yeah yeah that's yeah so basically I wrote this pitch <clears throat> of um uh princess ivy's kisses are the strongest in the land but one prince is uh, or princess ivy's kisses are weapons but one prince is desperate to prove her wrong Uh, So, like, I had this pitch that I wrote on Twitter, and I entered this contest called uh, PitMad, hashtag PitMad, in which you had to essentially write out a pitch using 180 characters, which was the limit at the time, um, with the hashtag, and then agents and editors would scroll through this hashtag Mm -hmm. on Twitter, and if they liked your pitch... um, you would be essentially put to the top. You could submit to them directly, and it would kind of get you to the top of what is called the slush pile. Cool. Um, So I had an editor's assistant from Entangled Teen, which was a uh, small boutique publisher that had the distributor of Macmillan, so they were able to get into places like Barnes & Noble and things like that. Um, And so they they reached out to me and said like, I'm interested in your pitch, please submit. I submitted my book, and basically in five months I had a book deal. Wow, cool. So I actually skipped the agent route. Nice. Just through Cut this Twitter pitch, out. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I got one eventually. Okay. Um,
0: well, you are a pro now, so well, <laughs> you gotta have an agent, you know?
1: Uh, but yeah, I mean, and, and when you debut, <clears throat> You, you, it takes a while for your book to get published um, for whatever reason. I guess it's because you they're expecting you to be a little green. They don't know how long you're going to take in meeting deadlines. But either way, I signed my book deal. It was uh, uh, maybe September of 2016. And then my book was not published until July of 2018. Mm, okay. So it was two years before it got published.
0: Wow. So. Yeah. In the five months from the Twitter to the book deal signing, did you, like, have to revise? and?
1: Mm, Not really. So, um, the editor came back with, like, uh, I'm really enjoying your manuscript. Do you have a synopsis that you can send to me? So, I sent them a synopsis. uh, And then I actually went on a trip with huh, the same friend, Bridget, we went to Seattle. And then I was like, I'm not going to look at my email. I'm not going to look at my email. <laughs> Touchdown, New Orleans, checked my email. And the first thing I got was a note from Lydia saying that she wanted to take it to acquisitions cool. to the publisher. So, uh, they wondered if I wanted to change, like if I could change a couple things. So Kiss the Royal was originally a spin-off of a fairy tale called Rose, uh, Snow White and Rose Red. I don't know if you've ever heard of that version. I have not. Uh, it's an older fairy tale. Um, and it's a little bit different than like Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, but kind of like in that same vein. It's just a different version, really. And so um, they're like, can you remove the fairy tale aspect and just make it fantasy? And I was like, yeah, it's, it's only changing the lore slightly. Um, it wasn't even changing the plot. So with that one just acceptance of yeah like i don't mind that they they then took it to acquisitions and that's really all that needed
0: cool so what took them two years
1: took them two years oh
0: are they just slow or
1: no i I think it's because whenever they sign books um it takes that long to to kind of schedule them out so whenever you're scheduling your books your time signs scheduling in like Two years of an advance. Interesting. Um, and then they have pre-established authors that they're gonna give the earlier slots to before you. Mm, okay. You know, they wanna make sure they continue to publish them and keep them relevant and build their backlist because the more books they published with with one author, the better their career becomes and their relationship with the, with the agency right, and, and right, the publisher right. becomes. Right. Um, so they're like, they're taking a chance on a debut author. Right. So they're like, we'll wait two years for you. Like, it's fine. <laughs> so,
0: is there, so is there uh like they, you got the email, um, yeah. going to acquisitions. I'm sure you were like pumped. Like what, yeah, what was I mean. your reaction? Oh my
1: God. I, it was Lydia told me, she was like, okay, uh, Tuesday is the acquisitions meeting, so you should know by, like, end of day. And I was like, why would you tell me that? Why, why would you tell me that? I am going to be...
0: Sh- she wanted you to be anxious. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes.
1: I was so, so distraught that whole day. I was like, I can't look at my email. I can't look at my email. I can't look at my email. Because this is the closest I would ever been, you know, to, yeah. to getting published. Right. Um, and so I was like, okay, this so is what I'm going to do. I'm going to get off work. I'm going to run to Trader Joe's because I have to do some <laughs> grocery shopping, and then I will check my email. So I was sitting in the Trader Joe's parking lot looked at my email on the phone and just screamed.
0: <laughs> awesome. Yeah.
1: I just screamed. Luckily nobody was around to be like, Oh my God, what is wrong with this girl Crazy screaming person in her car? In the parking yeah. lot. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, it was amazing. I barely remember the drive home other than just me calling my mom and being like, I'm going to get published. I'm going to be an author. I can't believe it.
0: That's so. cool. So the acquisitions email notification that you knew that they were gonna publish it at that time. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So that's like so, the you 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 done it type. Yeah, deal. so
1: basically you get approval from the editor who wants to take you on, but like it's not just their decision decision. They have to take it to their team and they okay. call it the acquisitions team. And so they have Got a it. meeting <laughs> to review those book proposals.
0: And that was the Tuesday.
1: That was that Tuesday.
0: And then they said yes.
1: And then they were like, Yep, it's cool. happening
0: that's cool and then and then it was like five months later that you like signed the papers and all that stuff what's that whole deal like well
1: so it was uh, it was actually a little bit longer than than that so the five months was oh, actually that was the Twitter just, to the yeah Twitter okay, to yeah. the actual meeting itself got it um, and then it took maybe three to four months after that when I had gotten an agent because it was easy to get an agent <laughs> after I'd sold the book right. I'd already done their work for them <laughs> in a lot of ways. Um, but but my agent, you know, walked through the whole, uh, you know, looking over contract, having the experience of reading legal contracts and knowing what I was stepping into, rights negotiations, all all those kind of things. Um, and so that went through, and yeah, I, I signed. I want to say like a couple months after the acquisitions team
0: got it. Cool. After yeah. they did all the the legal. Back and forth and stuff. Yep. Uh, did you have to like go to their office to sign? And oh, was there like a big no, no, just, wood table and no. like an ink pen and all that stuff? <laughs> Maybe you
1: do that if you're like an author who lives in New York. <laughs> right. But no, no. I just, they send it over DocuSign. Nice. <laughs> and <laughs> that was it. Just click a
0: couple times and it's 100%. Done.
1: Yep.
0: Cool. Um, okay. Again, like just lots of questions. Um, yeah. The So you, we've talked a couple times about like book one, book two, and book three, mm-hmm. um, but you're writing since seventh grade, I think, is what you said earlier. Yep. Um, so how many books do you have, or concepts, I should say, do you have saved on your computer or written in it? Do you type your ideas or do you handwrite them? I type. Okay.
1: I type. So how many um, books
0: do you think you have saved on your computer? Or are you just oh, like, good Lord. Or do you just sit down and just write one, two, and three, and then you got it? <laughs>
1: no. <laughs> um, I would say I have two ideas that are really just that. I I started writing them um, and then I was like, "Eh, I haven't thought enough about it or maybe I'm just not feeling this concept like I thought I would. And so I just kind of stopped mid draft. I even had one idea that I really liked, but it just didn't pan out the way I wanted it to. So I didn't touch that one. Um, But I have, I wanna say I like actually did the number I think I've written sixteen books cool. since wow. that first book. Okay, wow. Um, and there's five of them are published, with another three about to be published. Cool. So eight out of sixteen is kind that's of pretty my good. Betting five hundred, yeah,
0: that's pretty good. Yeah, uh, cool. Um, the I want to ask to a little bit like process type thing, but looking at this book roaring mm-hmm. it's in the 1920s yes which is not right now yeah so and also the, at the very beginning you have like a bunch of terms yep that you've defined out uh, yep. like sl- some slang and things so uh you know like writing a novel um uh, i guess research. one one could sit down and write a novel but i'm sure you had to do a good bit of research for yes. like being historically accurate and all that yeah stuff so how was that process on that one
1: um it was very it was very intricate. Um, I, Roaring is the book that I've researched the most by far. I mm-hmm. even researched a little bit with Glow of the Fireflies just because I wanted to be very, very accurate in my descriptions of the Smoky Mountains. Mm-hmm. I wanted to make sure that uh, the trees that I were describing was in the right elevation. I wanted to make sure the plants that I was describing were in season. You know, I wanted to be accurate mm-hmm. as possible. And Roaring especially, like if you're getting into historical fiction, you wanna be as close as possible. Um, so I did a lot of research with that book and I had so much fun with it. Like really? research cool. was, was half the fun. Um, I had uh, two websites that I just had up constantly while I was writing that book and it was um, glossary terms of the 1920s slang. Uh, And I definitely used all that slang and it was so much fun. Cool. I I think that was probably the highest praise that I received of that book because, you know, as authors, you're not really supposed to read your reviews, negative reviews or positive (laughs) reviews. and Like, you're going to, obviously. Yep. And so um, I think that was the thing that I was most proud of is that everybody... Who wrote? Who read that review? Even if they didn't necessarily like the plot or the characters, they were like, "This book was really well researched. Nice. Like she, the author did a great job of incorporating 1920s into the setting. Like it really felt like that time period. Um, so I was really proud of that. And I, I did do a lot of research. In fact, there's a scene at the end of the book where um, they're using waterways. And I had to figure out if these waterways even existed at that time. Mm. So I went, I was just like, okay, can you get from the New York Harbor to uh, sh- the lake in Chicago? Um, and of course it's Lake Michigan, I think. Lake- I-, I even forget uh, what it is right at to the me, moment. Yeah. But <laughs> it's, it's the lake and then all there's all these waterways that are connected and I wanted to see if it was even possible. So that took me down a rabbit hole Um, I researched specific streets and bridges that would have been built in the 1920s. I looked at real photographs. Um, I really, I really did a lot of research on that book and I I had so much fun with it.
0: So when you're doing all of that, you, do you have like a word document and you're dumping notes Mm -hmm. and pictures and stuff into it?
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. I would say more I was saving website pages in a bookmark okay. folder cause cool. it was just easy, easy to go back and reference and right. I didn't have to copy and paste anything. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of research, cool. so much fun though.
0: Carl's sitting in the loud chair over there creaking back and forth. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Uh, can we talk a little bit about, uh, your day job?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: First question about your day job okay. and hopefully your boss is not listening. To this, but um, are you probably won't. <laughs> are you on the way to full-time author? hundred percent of your no, that's no it? Probably Is it, does it not, not interest you or
1: I wouldn't say that um, I would say you really have to create either you have to hit the New York Times bestseller list or you have to create a lot of books for a backlist to build up those royalties. Gotcha, okay. Uh, in order to really sustain. Right, I, I mean, so think it's, of t- like, it's tough. It's very tough. To do, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Think of like not having uh, health insurance that you have to pay for, right. like True. That's, a, that's a big thing. Right. Uh, but it's a little bit more than just the pay. Um, it's also just the fact that I love my day job, and I'm not just saying that because people would be listening. <laughs> um, I believe you. It's very taxing at times. <laughs> uh-huh. But I love the people I work with. I love the company that I've helped grow for nine years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also love telling people what to do.
0: Hey, that's good. And yeah. I can't
1: do that while I'm writing books right. all the time. You're Usually just I'm to answering to an editor and they're like, do this. And I'm like, okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. Uh, so not maybe not quite the day job, but how do you... I mean, again, I keep going back to, like, this is just, like, seems like a ton of work. And it is a ton of work. It is. Uh, it's a lot of work. So, the, I, mean, I guess I'm trying to pry a little bit on uh, how, what keeps you, like, doing all of this work in, in your nights and weekends and, and yeah. mornings and spare time and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, and then also, it seems like you really love your job. So, you're, it's kind of too two loves happening yeah, at yeah I actually time.
1: I actually posted a tweet the other day where I was like work-life balance is important work-life balance oh is I important. did see that I work-life saw that. balance yep. is important <laughs> yeah and then I responded <clears throat> to that being like authors what do you do when your life becomes work as well mm. because that is essentially like what I'm struggling with and what a lot of authors struggle with with day jobs is that like you are working with clients, you are having a full-time job that you have to deal with, and then you go home and then you also get paid to write. You also have deadlines that you, and then professional emails that you have to respond to. Mm -hmm. And because you have these deadlines, because you have these restrictions, and it becomes again, like more like work, when are you not working? Mm -hmm. Because writing for me always used to be an escape. And to some extent, it it still is, but now that I'm answering to publishers, I'm answering to editors. It's it's an obligation as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's hard. Like it's it's very exhausting. Um, but at the end of the day, I love both things. That you're just kind of willing to sacrifice. Oh, I was gonna watch Midnight Mass, the new show on Netflix this weekend, but I have a deadline to get to. Mm-hmm. Or I was gonna go meet some friends for drinks, but I have a deadline that I have to jump to. So I would say sh- your social life takes a little bit of a hit, um, but you gotta you gotta make time for that as well. So I would say scheduling is very important to keeping up with with that, and then trying to to disconnect when you can. Mm-hmm um but yeah it is it's a lot of work um and 2020 of course for very a lot of people it was mentally exhausting um the creative industry really felt that too because you couldn't go out anywhere you couldn't i was so used to going to coffee shops and like that's where i wrote and Mm -hmm. was able to get all of my ideas i couldn't do that and I couldn't like just get out of the house and sit there and focus with my headphones and my lo-fi music. And <laughs> that was a, that was a struggle. Um, but yeah, I think it's, I think it's just like, do you love it enough to make time for it? Got it. And, and to be tired if you have to be tired. Right. <laughs>
0: yeah. um, so how do you, again, going for the cheat codes here, um, how do you focus whenever you have You personally focus whenever you have a deadline to meet and, or maybe you're stuck on something or distracted by a Netflix show or something.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I tend to try and keep to a schedule. I don't like writing at home um, just because home is kind of like our, where you relax, you know, it's Mm -hmm. like where you just, lay on the couch and either read on your Kindle or watch Netflix show or play on your Switch, or which is basically what I do. <laughs> um, that is my time to relax. So when I focus and I get up <clears throat> early on a Saturday morning, like you'll see me at Magpie most Sunday mornings and I'm there at like 8.30 and I'm giving up time to sleep, I am going to be focused on my writing. Um, so it's like if I'm gonna be out there, I'm not looking at anything else. So it's like separating and and keeping a schedule and making sure that I'm carving out time for that Um, and then making sure to like schedule time with friends afterwards. So it's almost like a reward. I'm like, okay, if I finish these 50 pages then I can go see my friend, we can go watch a movie, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. You mentioned that earlier. I thought that was a great way to look at it. Like the self reward type. Yeah. Uh, hold the carrot out in front of you 100%, or, or sometimes whatever. you really
1: gotta do that yeah Yeah. as much as you love the
0: maybe the Oreo for me hold the Oreo <laughs> out in front or the Cane's chicken yeah, finger or I, as
1: much as you love um, the thing itself it can if you're doing it over and over again it can get grueling and exhausting so I
0: did so this is another kind of thought process or a thought train that I wanted to, to kind of because I have a a cousin-in-law of mine who is a very creative guy, Mm -hmm. and I had him on my podcast a while back now. Um, But he did a bunch of stuff, like stand-up comedy, comic books, wrote comic books, and is now in a band and is releasing albums, and it's really cool. But I kind of was trying to ask him as well, um, like, how... Do you feel like an innate desire to be creative, or um, or it, it, like your the, the ideas that you have? Do they do you feel just compelled to put them on paper, um, or do you kind of see it where you were getting to a little bit right there um, as like it's work, and you like here's the tasks that that need to be completed to do?
1: Yeah, that yeah, that's an interesting question. So I really. Um the reason why I got published or why I pursued publishing wasn't really for the money. Um, Cause I knew that it was like gonna be, it's kinda one of those things where you, you hit the lottery, like mm-hmm. you strike gold if you somehow find a book that appeals to the masses. Um, not just like a select number of people. But I kinda knew that it was going to be a long haul for that so I didn't do it for any kind of recognition what I wanted to do was I wanted to write stories and then I wanted to talk about those stories with other people. Cool. So to me, the best way to do that was to get published and, and hopefully those readers would like it enough to reach out to me so we could like talk about it, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I, and really the the best way of doing that is with kids like a thousand percent. They are so enthusiastic about those stories. They're so into fandoms, which is, I am, that's why I still think of myself as like a 13 year old. (laughs) Um, So going to, I knew I needed to get published traditionally in order to go to book festivals, to go to schools, to like have that connection with kids and my readers. And if I didn't really want to pursue that part, there was and there wasn't any reason for me to get published. Mm. Um, so that's that's really why I went out and and tried to do that. Does that answer that question? Yeah, yeah,
0: maybe? I think so for sure. The um, um also the kind of your what's the word journey for mm-hmm. lack of a better word from the Pirates of the Caribbean the the inspiration there yeah. to where you are now. What um, what kind of things played into how you develop your Tastes uh, and interests Like you, you mentioned a couple TV shows earlier what, oh, yeah. what are some of the things that you Have been obsessed with Growing up
1: Oh man How <laughs> long do we have Forever
0: uh. <laughs> By the way it's uh, it's already 718 Okay so. Yeah we
1: can keep going for a little bit um, So I, I I love anime I loved Harry Potter I love DC comics Of course the Marvel movies are awesome um, I which, love which
0: Marvel movie is the best?
1: Percy Jackson. Uh, what is the best one? I don't know. I really love Guardians of the Galaxy. I could I probably Guardians watch that Galaxy, one over yeah. and over The first over one again. or the second one? First one. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And um, Infinity
0: War is my is my favorite probably.
1: Yeah, I was okay with the Infinity War. The <laughs> the I, time travel is a big struggle for me. Really? So spoiler. Oh man! So you don't anything. like
0: Interstellar? I haven't.
1: Wow. I actually so my right, I'll my coworker. i read this book. You watch
0: Interstellar. I know
1: my coworkers literally got on. We had a happy hour last week, and they were like,
0: "They were talking about Lindsay.
1: It. You haven't watched Interstellar. <laughs> what is wrong with you?" And I was like, "I'm sorry." <laughs> like, it is
0: I great. was yeah. I was I heard actually, it's amazing. earlier when we were talking about the emotional appeal and thing, and, and you started talking about that scene in Lucifer, yeah. yeah. And you're talking about there's this one scene I keep. I, I was thinking scene. about Interstellar, yeah. and how I like. Like wanted to tear up. Like Yeah. Like, I've, so I've heard it's, it's a, a
1: fabulous, I just need to watch it. It's I definitely to in my top to five it. and
0: I will restrain myself from proselytizing to you okay. about it. But it's really good. Sorry to interrupt you. No, no,
1: no. I absolutely need to, I absolutely need to watch it. You're 100% it's right. It's so
0: good. It's so, it's so good. <laughs> anyway.
1: Uh, my brother was a really big Star Wars fan. Nice. Um, I'm really close with him. So a lot of the things that he liked to watch, I ended up watching. Cool. Um,
0: did you play a bunch of video games?
1: He did, and I okay. liked watching him play those video games. So all of the Final Fantasy <coughs> games, um, Legend of Zelda games. Yeah. I was big influence on Kiss of the Royal and, and things like that. So cool. uh, Sailor Moon. Um, oh, nice.
0: I used to watch that with my sister when I was a kid. Oh, yes. Yeah, I don't every, remember anything Every little girl it, but, from like yeah. the early 2000s
1: watched <laughs> Sailor Moon. Yeah. <laughs> Um, that was
0: a guilty pleasure for my, for me when I was a, a kid. I don't remember anything about it, but I just remember watching a lot of it.
1: There, well, there's a lot of episodes.
0: Is there? Yeah. Okay,
1: there's a lot of episodes. Yeah. Um, Is that
0: like a? Th- by the way, a little aside. Does anime just have some secret formula where they're able to create a thousand episodes for every? It seems like every show, like Dragon Shonen, Ball Z, has yes. like ten thousand episodes. Yes.
1: So like. The shonen, which is basically the boy version of anime. Okay. Uh, lasts forever. Oh, my right. gosh. They, yeah. So many episodes. And it's we're like, like, how do you keep going? Like, I guess
0: they just have a ton of interest in it. Maybe. Yeah,
1: I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know how anyway, they do it. That they was, just draw it out huh. a long time. I could <laughs> never do it. I'd be like, I'm going to kill these characters if you have to. <laughs> to yeah.
0: finish the story.
1: Yeah. So, um, I mean, Disney any any fandom almost that you could think of maybe with the exception of I wasn't a big Star Trek person okay um I I was you know I either knew of or I loved or or whatever and um a lot of my book ideas come from elements of of all those things okay of you know graphic novels and tv shows and books and things like that cool Alex Ryder Frickin' love Alex Ryder.
0: And uh, I'm unfamiliar, what, what what does he, is that a, oh, is he's that a person uh, or a series or?
1: So Alex Ryder is a, uh, a book series. Okay. He's a 14 year old British Uh, James Bond really but he's he's more of a reluctant spy he doesn't want to be a spy but MI6 is using him because he's a kid and nobody would suspect a kid right okay Uh, but his uncle was a spy and so like the first book is about him trying to figure out who killed his uncle kind of thing but it's it's a long book story it's ridiculous in the way the old James Bond movies were ridiculous with all the Fun gadgets and stuff. Um, I loved Alex Rider. Uh, I actually read those right out of college, which I was too old for. But I was like, these are so <laughs> fun. Um, but actually, they have a new series out on Amazon Prime. If you have Prime, they had okay. a, they made Alex Rider into a, a television show. Nice. And it was very, very well done. They had this stupid movie that came out in the late two thousands that was like, this is uh, yeah, but this one's so no much good. better. Got it. <laughs>
0: So. Uh, do you, uh, I was going to ask this earlier, do you uh, want to make a book into a movie or TV series? That would series? be amazing. Okay. <laughs> I no know some idea people... what's
1: going to happen. So, I have zero control over that.
0: Oh uh, really, okay. Yeah. A friend of mine, or his, actually my brother-in-law, uh, reads a lot, or has read a lot, um, and every, it seems like every series that he reads and then they make a movie, uh, yeah. He's always like the book is way better. The book is
1: way better. Yeah, and I'm
0: yeah. I'm the other I'm the person that says the movie's better just because I had never read the book. Yeah. So I was yeah. curious if you uh, obviously you're very into TV shows and movies. So
1: yeah, they would. Um, so how that works is you sell uh, a book and it has rights a, a part of that. So okay. there's audio rights, there's film TV rights, and there's uh, language you know foreign rights. Got it. Um, so you can sell those rights you can keep them but nine times out of ten like your book goes on this publisher's marketplace where it has like a brief blurb about it and um there's specific film tv agents where their job is to just to scroll through that list of the publisher's recent deals and be like oh this could be a cool movie and they reach out for those rights Mm. um so, and it's very, very rare chance where it yeah. actually does become anything, but it happens. Like, um, I've got a author, uh, acquaintance who blurbed one of my books. Her name is Annie Sullivan. She's the author of tiger queen. She blurbed glow, the fireflies and her book, uh, is actually touch of gold is going to be made into a movie. Wow. And so it's like, cool. Girl, I went to writers festivals. I went to book festivals with you. I shared a table with you and you're going to get a a freaking movie deal, you know? Like it's it happens yeah. and it's and it's amazing when it does, but it's very rare.
0: Cool. That's exciting. Yeah. Um sweet. Which one would be the best movie of your books?
1: Ooh. People people have told me that before. I roaring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so.
0: I think that would be visually very cool and yeah. also very research intensive but i do like the my favorite tv show of all time is mad men
1: nice and like
0: yeah. 50% of, of the reason is because uh it's just you know so accurate and you you're immersed in the era Yeah, and in that era. it ties in with historical events and all the yada yada um what's your favorite tv show of all time
1: oh avatar the last airbender
0: really yes okay so an without anime. hesitation an anime and is the but is it an anime or like a
1: no, it's a never, it's a North American cartoon okay. done by uh I want to say it might have been a Korean studio but like the the creators I believe were just American.
0: Okay, so stupid question. Does it have to be created in Asia to be anime?
1: Uh it would normally like Japanese cartoons Japanese? would be considered okay. anime.
0: Got it. Okay. Yeah, yeah I'm I'm not
1: No, no, it's me. fine. No, no. That uh-uh. one is just yeah, it, it's a it's a cartoon that's greatly influenced by Asian cultures. Okay but it
0: was the movie any good? I know they had a movie. So bad. Bad? Right. Okay. (laughs) So bad.
1: And my like, it doesn't exist. What movie, what are you talking about? It's
0: fine with me. (laughs) I I hate it also. Um, cool. What, uh, your inspiration, uh, did you, I'm assuming that you've read a lot. You've mentioned people, Mm -hmm. um, already. What are some of your favorite people to read?
1: Oh, um, so, like I said, Rick Riordan uh, is a big one. Um, I love my favorite young adult series, uh, hands down. Twilight.
0: Is... <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> Just <No>. kidding.
1: <clears throat> Although I stand by the first book. The first book is very enthralling. Okay. Um, the, uh No, The Lunar Chronicles by Marissa Meyer. So, Cinder, Scarlet, Cress, uh, Winter, those books are amazing.
0: Is that... Um, um... Catching the title, is that like a has that like a space element to it?
1: It is uh basically fairy tale retellings in sci-fi. Nice. So okay. it's like uh, what if um <clears throat> Cinder was a cyborg? So like so Cinderella was a cyborg uh, okay. and so she loses her entire foot at the ball.
0: Nice. Okay, cool. Yeah.
1: It's it's such a great, great series and also very heavily influenced by Sailor Moon.
0: Nice. Got to love yeah. Sailor Moon. I had
1: to read that about the uh, the author, but she's she was a big Sailor Moon nerd. Um, so that's one of my favorites. Uh, Roshani Chosky. She as she's writing uh, the Aru Shah books, which is uh, Hindu mythology. Um, from Rick Riordan presents. That that's an amazing book series that I'm reading right now. Leah Bardugo is amazing. Uh, she wrote Shadow and Bone. Uh, Marie Lu, a lot of those early young adult, I was heavily influenced by their young adult writing. Um, Maggie Stiefeter, uh, Terran Matharu, which he wrote an amazing series. Um, And of course, the name is escaping me. Oh, the Summoner trilogy. But like his concept was Pokemon meets Lord of the Rings
0: wow interesting yeah so okay.
1: it, it was a it's a very fun series and i was just like i love pokemon i love lord of the rings <laughs> and you give it that. to me <laughs> cool. um so yeah yeah i love all those all those books which are really fun
0: uh sweet that's a lot of stuff i don't know about but it sounds yeah. interesting very the uh
1: very so, mainstream commercial fun fandom
0: got it uh one question is You, when we originally emailed, uh, I was like, "Where can I buy your books?" And then you put this little thing in the email, like, "You're probably not my target audience," uh, which I kind of thought was funny. Uh Um, So, what is is there like a specific distinction for? I mean, obviously, writing for like a middle schooler would be different than expecting a 30-year-old to read your book, of course. But the young adult genre, what exactly is that? Just geared toward. Yeah. Uh, so like single young teenagers or No. no.
1: no. It's a uh, well first of all, young adult and middle grader are age groups. So uh it's not so much a genre as it as it is just like a, a target audience that okay. you would shoot okay. for. Got it. Um so think young adult as in like basically 14 to 18 year olds. Okay. And that's mostly based off the fact that like the protagonist is going to be a 14 to Got 18 it. year old. Okay. Um, so you want those, those readers to be able to, to connect. Um, and then middle grade, that can be anywhere from like an eight year old to a 13 year old. Um, but that could, that's more referred to as like upper level middle grade. So okay. think like Rick Riordan books and, uh, those novels uh, Golden Compass that's more like upper level middle grade while you have uh, Goosebumps types chapter books where it's a little bit lower level
0: got it okay yeah
1: um, so it's more concentrated on the age of the reader and then you have all of your normal genres like fantasy right. and horror and okay. stuff within that I was that just, I guess
0: group. I just took the mainstream view. Yeah, yeah, of 100%. Because like, I, I, I hear the young adult and then I'm like, oh, like Twilight, and yeah. Hunger Games, but that stuff and Harry Potter, but that stuff obviously, I guess because it, Hit mainstream that because I like the Hunger Games, yeah, you know, but. but
1: I think in a lot of ways it's that like adults are <laughs> reading that too, yeah. So, more than anything, it's like just this is going to be age of the protagonist. Like, I'm 31, I am still reading middle grade and yeah. novel, novels, but just because the stories and the plots are are interesting to me, uh, still, you know, like mm-hmm. it's, it's something that you can kind of connect to. Even in this day,
0: I um, wish I could. Speaking of time, make time stand still because this has been great, and I know I don't want to take up all of your time, but I can ask you a million more questions. I was just looking at my list here because there's like a couple things I want to ask you before we finish.
1: Okay, yeah, but I've got time for a couple more.
0: On that. Uh, like kind of thought and it again goes back to something that you said earlier um about how you think you're still a 13 year old enjoying these uh-huh, types of stories uh-huh. but it made me think and it might be a little philosophical which I would love to get your take on but um the mindset i don't know how to again i'm struggling with the words here but the help me out carlos um you appealing to a younger audience Mm -hmm. Uh, but you being 31 as you mentioned Mm -hmm. um, still engage with that that you know again air quotes might appeal to a younger audience Mm -hmm. I guess I'm trying to see um, is it a little bit of a sad thing um, maybe for you or just in general I'm kind of thinking out loud is a little bit of a sad thing when perhaps people get older and go to their jobs every day and do the same thing over and over and kind of not as excited about their life type thing and then lose a excitement with the younger stories or fairy tales or fantasy or that sort of thing i that's probably a really jumbled thought but that Mm -hmm. thought popped into my head whenever you were talking about that because i enjoy um you know like star wars i watched it when i was 10 and yeah. still like watching it now. Yeah. Um, and there's, there's some things like that that I still relate to. Um, but then I wonder if a lot of it is maybe.
1: So, so I'll, I'll hopefully come that made at a little it, bit of a sense. I'll come at that sense. thought through a, a lens of like the type of stories that really come with young adult and middle grade. So if you look at middle grade, you're, or uh, let's start with young adult. If you look at young adult, you're focusing through the lens of a, a teenager and typically teenagers are trying to understand themselves. They're exploring things like their goals, their dreams, their hopes, their sexuality, like they're learning all of those things. It's very much of a self-discovery phase of your life. Um, And so in a lot of ways, you'll find a lot of young adult stories um, very centric to those concepts where they're trying to figure out uh, it's it's an internal struggle that they're trying to overcome. With middle grade, it's very much like the, the, the other direction of external, where as a kid, you're trying to just understand the world around you. You're trying to figure out um, problems and the world's mysteries. And that's why you see a lot of middle grade novels uh, where they have to save the world, you know, because it's all on their shoulders. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of looking at those stories from the lens of the the reader who, or the protagonist of the reader whose <laughs> these stories are intended for, is uh, I feel like people lose that whenever you get older. Um, you kind of forget what it was like to be a kid mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. You forget that those experiences we all went through and i really like going back to those types of stories and being like i remember when i was that afraid i remember when i was that um, struggle like you know struggling with those fears and anxieties and externalizing that in a really fantastic world and 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 story like that so i think that's what people Are sometimes drawn to when they when they read those books and that's why I wish more adults did pick up these younger the stories that are driven for younger kids because I think it's all applicable in a way because like we all went through those experiences and I think it's important to sort of like remember them and that's to me what's really exciting.
0: That was um unbelievable because that was basically exactly what I was trying to ask you. Really? So okay. thank you for that. Good, uh, good. That was uh that was great. I'm I'm thinking like while you're saying that about my little girl likes watching this movie Luca. And yes. it's like uh yeah. I don't know if you've seen it, but
1: uh uh-huh. well I know it's the Pixar movie. I yeah, need to watch it. Yeah. yeah. It's
0: uh, I've seen it probably a
1: thousand times. Yeah,
0: like a <laughs> hundred times at this point. But it's like that, you know, the coming of age. type and that's even a genre I've seen but yeah um I even like watching that movie yeah which is made for eight-year-olds yeah and she's one and a half Mm -hmm. but uh because of that and I think you described it beautifully that was I think that was yeah um
1: it's one of the reasons I love sibling stories so much because like I I have a brother who I'm very close Mm to and I love the, the dynamic of being like, I'm going to be there for you no matter what, mm-hmm. you know, like, and, and that sibling dynamic speaks a lot to me. So I like reading those types of stories. So I think it's all about like what you connect to.
0: Right. That's great. Yeah. And everybody connects yeah. to that in some way. I think that human emotion. Um, cool. My brain is running wild. I'm going to, I just want to hit a couple of things real quick. Sure. We talked about it for a second before we actually started. But you created your own beer.
1: Oh, (laughs) I did not. (laughs) (laughs) If I admitted to that, Rally Cap would be like, oh my gosh, (laughs) (laughs) she cannot be on the can anymore.
0: I'll change it. We don't want to defame anyone (laughs) or or make anybody mad. Rally Cap has a new beer.
1: Yes. Called the Night Shift.
0: The Night Shift. Mm -hmm. And it's intertwined with a podcast that you're on. Yes. And from what I've gathered, I'm going to have to go check it out. You should. Now. Season but,
1: two just dropped.
0: Okay, sweet. Yeah. But from what I've gathered, you're a character. What's your character's name? Her name is Kestrel Cockrus. Okay, Kestrel. Yes. And your character? I'm a
1: half-elf druid. So it's a D&D real play podcast. Got it. Okay.
0: Yeah. And you're on the can. You're on the beer.
1: Yeah. Well, my character is. So we, we got art done and... Um, that is on the, can- it's, it's so cool. Like it's unbelievable. <laughs> it's cool. Yeah. yeah it's so really cool. it's, um, it's a podcast with me. Um, I'm a, I'm a druid. I play a druid in the podcast. And then it's, uh, Jay Ducote, who is a barbarian, um, Fitting. a human barbarian, of course. <laughs> and, uh, T-Bob bear who is a, uh, halfling bard, uh, okay. and then Chuck Pierce who is a uh, dragonborn warlock and we play um, these bombastic characters on the night shift that work at this guild and uh, we get thrown into a very sticky situation um, but we're just kind of like co-workers and it snowballs from there it's so much fun like Sounds they're, like they're big dorks yeah. and um, goobers awesome. and, and we just have a blast doing it uh, so how- oh and Trent is the dm so
0: uh is what is the dm D-
1: dungeon master okay I so he, he's basically the, the one who who tells kind of who tells the, the story okay. who creates the storyline and he plays all the non-player characters while I we saw, interact with yeah, them yeah i saw the, um, yeah
0: now i'm gonna forget the, the name what's the netflix show i saw the uh super popular netflix show Stranger Things. Stranger Things. Yeah, Stranger yeah. Things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. play D and D. That's they taught me about D uh, and <laughs> little bit.
1: Um, yeah, and so uh, Rally Cap um, is is Jay Dakota does a lot of their sponsors ads, and so they had a connection, and they were cool. like, "We're going. Well, we're going to make you guys a beer." That's legit. And we were like, "What?" <laughs>
0: <laughs> so how did the is the, season two? What is the actual? Is it scripted or are y'all playing a game on the podcast and? We're just literally acting the characters. And, yeah, okay. so
1: we, um, they, they all have like radio personality experiences, and I'm just a, a nerd who likes D and um, And so, and you probably
0: win every round. I don't yeah, know how it works, but
1: it's not really like a win or lose type of okay. game. It's 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 a role playing story. Got so it. we're there essentially like acting out these characters and then rolling dice mm. to see. Um, our actions how bad they are or like if the if the roles are low like if we call a crit then you know we'll trip on our face Um, and if it's a nat 20 we cartwheel out the door you know like it (laughs) it kind of (laughs) defense
0: who came up with the idea to do this
1: um it
0: like how did it come together
1: well so we all work together So T-Bob and Chuck and uh, Jay work at Guarantee at their radio stations, Mm -hmm. and GatorWorks is a part of that. I've met them through different work experiences, and we all just kind of came together, and we're like, what if we did this thing? Um, Cool. And so, because, of course, Guarantee had the... Facilities right. and equipment to do it. Um, yeah, it's just like you
0: just go to the next room and start. Yeah. Start and doing so it. <laughs> we, we
1: started recording on Saturdays, and it took us a while to get to the point where we wanted to release episodes because we did practice sessions and then we learned, like, because some of us never, had never played DD. Okay. So we were like, we have to figure out how, to, how this works.
0: By some of us, you mean them?
1: I'd never played. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, I'd never played. I, right. I'd, I'd listen to D&D podcasts. Like, I love podcasts. I will listen to all of them. All types of podcasts, but um, I'd never played that before.
0: Cool. Okay, uh, top two or three podcasts for you.
1: Oh, uh, Dungeons and Daddies is a D&D podcast that I'm in love with. Um, uh, t- t- the Adventure Zone is another D&D podcast that is amazing, amazing storytelling. Um, I love My Favorite Murder podcast, which is a true crime podcast. Mm-hmm. Um let's see what's another one. I started listening to the old ga- old gods of Appalachia, which was a, okay. kind of a <clears> horror <throat> anthology podcast told in an alternate world of the Appalachian Mountains, which was very interesting. Um uh, Owen oh, Lore. Perfect. Lore I was going to say have you listened to Lore? Lore is amazing. Yeah, yes, lore absolutely. Is great.
0: Um, I suggested it to Carl and uh, so good. he turned it on and then turned it off because he didn't like the guy's voice or something. <laughs> he, Aaron Mankey does
1: have like a little, he's got a cadence to a voice that he you does. have to get used to. I don't mind it.
0: Have you listened but... to uh, Criminal?
1: No. Isn't that what he does? Does he do that?
0: No, that's uh, Phoebe Phoebe Judge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Her I voice haven't... is very much like, but I don't I'm mind that. I don't, Judge and this I don't is criminal. mind that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah that's good. Uh, that's I haven't listened
1: to that one, but I, I should that. That one's pretty that one good out. too. It's like,
0: you know it's less true cri- it's true crime stuff but it's more like narrative and it's in one An episode Yeah, yeah she's yeah. really good and Aaron making is really good as well um what is new south story lab did i read uh uh
1: yes i actually should probably take that off my bio because the oh, okay. organizer uh moved to oregon but we we did have a uh non-profit um organization in which we would go teach kids at uh the juvenile detention center um giving them an opportunity to have a creative outlet mm-hmm. um and it was a great initiative it's just like once the organizer organizer left i'm too busy to to right, kind of right. keep it moving yeah, yeah, you know right. i already have essentially you're, almost two fa- full-time jobs you're not too busy <laughs> just stop you're not
0: busy uh but yeah
1: yeah that was that was uh, a great organization I wish I wish we could have kept it up
0: cool yep yeah. um I just saw that on your bio and thought it yeah. was uh, really yeah. cool uh all right last question okay um you have two new books definitely one in the spring supposed to be coming out yes another one kind of happening and then maybe a third one yes uh but a little bit past that what is what does the future look like for you
1: oh goodness um so Yeah, I've got a book coming out in the spring, and then I'll probably have another book coming out in the fall of all in 2022. Um, And then probably I'm working on my first young adult series. So this is the first time all of my books have been standalones, which series scares the crap out of me. I'm (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to be able to do it. And uh, my editor's like, no, you're ready, you're ready. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) Um, So... Uh, that is going to be hopefully coming up in 2023. And then I'm working with my agent to put out a young adult uh, sci fi. And I'm also working on another project with Scholastic. Ooh. Um, all, and then. My agency also has a lot of illustrators that I would love to work with, um, so I want to see if I could work with an illustrator to create a graphic novel script, cool. which would be amazing. Yeah, that's but really that's cool. like a dream thing. That's more like you it'll know, it'll happen. I'll be like, please, please work with me. This would be amazing.
0: <laughs> so how do you how do you relax whenever you actually relax?
1: Because
0: um, I mean, you work twenty four seven,
1: or yeah, uh, write or, and work. I would say. Shows, books, um, sometimes just playing Stardew Valley nice. <laughs> on the Switch, which is a farming game essentially. <laughs> um, yeah, just, just kind of kick, kick back and, and, and I never ever want to think of it this way, but it's a little bit like work because I'm watching these new shows and being inspired by yeah, them yeah. and mm-hmm. kind of all comes back full circle, I guess.
0: That's great. But cool. Yeah. Lindsay, thank you so much. Thank this you for was, having uh, me, Chase. This, this was, was amazing. amazing.
1: I had so much fun.
0: I, uh, I'm going to put you on the spot. Will you Great come back questions. at some point? Maybe yes. like next year or something. And Absolutely. We can talk more. And we can talk about stories also. Yeah. Because I will have read a couple um, by that point.
1: I would be more than happy to talk about
0: that. That'd be them with you. really cool. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode. I really, uh, I know you enjoyed that. I don't even have to say I hope you enjoyed it. I know you did. Uh, and also, go check out Lindsay's website, lindsayduga.com. Uh, buy her books on Amazon and I think Barnes and & Noble and all the places. Uh, as we talked, she's got a couple books coming out soon. So you... Oh, and Carl, yeah, Carl was just holding up his phone and said, go check out the Night Shift podcast, of course. Um, even if you're not into that, I'm going to go listen to a few episodes, and sure, I will love it. The, the cast on that podcast, I hear, is really cool. Anyway, thanks again for downloading. Uh, if you want to leave a review, that would be amazing. Uh, if you're not going to leave five stars, don't leave it. Just kidding. Do whatever you feel led to do. I love you. Thank you for listening. I'll see you on the next episode.